This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And just like that, the six-year promise that Bill Foley made to the fans in Vegas came true. It took six seasons, but the Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions, and the Florida Panthers are stuck waiting for their next shot at their first Stanley Cup. It wasn't exactly a competitive end to the NHL season, but a lot of storylines got a pretty good ending for a lot of members of the Vegas Golden Knights. And now our focus can turn to what should be a very, very interesting NHL offseason. Welcome to the program. Happy Wednesday. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Another edition of Sportsnet today coming your way here on uh, Sportsnet 960 The Fan from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, maybe simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. And we have a lot to get to on the program today. First and foremost, breaking down a Vegas Stanley Cup championship. How did we get here? Who are the stars? Jonathan Marchessault, your Conn Smythe winner. But the story of Phil Kessel, Mark Stone, the misfits who started the game, the original Vegas Golden Knights, Bruce Cassidy. There are so many great storylines to dive into with this Stanley Cup win for the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll also talk about the Florida Panthers and the massive list of injuries that of course included former flame Matthew Kachuk not being able to suit up for game five thanks to a fractured sternum what's next for Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers we will dive into all of that uh, including a conversation with Luke Fox from Sportsnet coming up in just a few moments we also have a stamps report for you coming up in hour two stamps getting set to kick off week two of the CFL season tomorrow night in Ottawa as they take on the Ottawa Red Blacks. Did want to start today, though, uh, on a somber note, and uh, just wanted to send our best wishes to anybody affected by the cutoffs at Bell today, including our friends up at, in Edmonton at TSN 1260. Um, the sports radio landscape is not uh, a promising one, and I entered today very thankful I got an opportunity to crack open the mic for another day because... Uh, it becomes very apparent as as more sports radio stations get shuttered down uh, across Canada and across the United States sometimes that uh, that won't always be a possibility for myself or for others, but uh, I really wish nothing but the best for, for everybody who was affected by those cuts today. TSN, Sportsnet, doesn't matter. Um, 
what what brand you represent or where you go. There's a lot of good people uh, doing a really good job who won't who don't have a job all of a sudden today, and that uh, that really sucks. And I hope that those people land on their feet, and I hope they get an opportunity to keep doing uh, what they did so well. And it sucks for the people in Edmonton who have less options to go for, uh, looking for good sports content. So if you happen to be tuning in today because uh, your regular station uh, isn't there anymore or you can't get that content, welcome aboard. More than glad to have you along here. Uh, but thinking about all those people today, and uh, hopefully, like I said, everybody lands on their feet. Uh, so somber note to start, but we'll get uh, we'll get back to it. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, our intern Shan is here with us as well. We'll get you through a busy day. We'll also uh, talk some Toronto Blue Jays coming up on a great start for Toronto as uh, they kicked off a series against their AL East rivals in Baltimore. Wasn't a great start for them. Uh, they'll look to bounce back a little bit later on tonight. We'll take more of a Blue Jays focus on the day-to-day going forward uh, right here on Sportsnet 960, including their, uh, to, including tonight's game as they look to bounce back in this series. But like I mentioned, uh, heavy focus on the Stanley Cup final to start things off. And very happy to uh, go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon and welcome in uh, from Sportsnet.ca. It's uh, Luke Fox joining us from Las Vegas to uh, talk about uh, what we saw last night in this big championship win for the Golden Knights. Luke, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Logan. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. You know, it's uh, it's always a privilege to be in the building when the cup gets awarded and uh, pretty deserving champion last night and, and pretty decisive series, right? When you step back and, and look at it, that they were a, a dominant, dominant team over the last five games and full marks to the Vegas gold Knights. And, uh, and they're, they're crazy loud fan base. Uh, they, they deserved it. Did this sort of cement the, the Vegas golden Knights and their fan base doing it at home in that sort of fashion? I know, you talk about it wasn't the most competitive game, but for them to do it at home, to do it with the misfit line and those original Golden Knights getting the start, it did kind of feel like the the cherry on top of the cake for Vegas. Yeah, it wasn't so much uh, of a game as it was a coronation, right? Like it was just a, yes. a celebration. Like they put it away early, and I thought that was a brilliant touch by Bruce Cassidy, you know, to have a, a grasp of the moment and uh, put out, five of the six original original misfits that were there from the expansion draft days and had gone through the disappointment of 2018 on, on that very same sheet of ice when the Washington Capitals walked into Vegas and took and claimed the cup right in front of them. Uh, you know, that was, that was just a really nice touch, a nice coaching moment. And I, I saw some quotes actually from, uh, you know, the original GM and president now, George McPhee, Saying that you know he he wasn't he didn't absolutely love it he thought it was a bit of a gimmick um, you know he's like we got to win the hockey game uh, maybe do that at the end of the game but I, I disagree I, I think sometimes it's not all about strategy those are five perfectly capable players mm-hmm. and I think when 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 you're going into that game and someone's reading out the lineup sheet and it's those guys I think it get it snaps everyone to attention like this this is a this is a moment here. This is a game like where we can, we can make history. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was really cool and good on Bruce. And I feel, I feel happy for him too, right? Like he's, he's kind of the same story. He had tremendous success in Boston and yet they cast him aside and, and thought he wasn't good enough. 
And, you know, first year with, with this new team, he, he proved to the world that this is one heck of a coach. Um, so a, a lot of positive stories uh, in that Vegas room. Yeah, and I, I wonder how much, as you mentioned that story about him not, them not loving, you know, the misfit. I wonder how much of that is the disconnect between management and the coach because it sure seemed post-game, whether it was Alex Petrangelo organizing, you know, those original Golden Knights to go get the cup from Mark Stone immediately or, you know, whoever you heard from post-game last night, they talked about how much those guys meant and how they were the culture setters for everybody else that came in that room. And that's not an easy thing to do when you welcome in some of those guys. You welcome in Alex Petrangelo, who's been a captain and has a Stanley Cup. Jack Eichel is a very you know, highly lauded prospect at one time in the NHL. It's hard to, to set those cultures when you're not exactly star guys, but it was pretty clear last night listening to everybody that the Golden Knights today aren't what the Golden Knights are without those six guys doing what they've done over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and how cool was it that, you know, some of the originals had had shining moments in that, you know, Jonathan Marceau yes. wins, wins the con Smythe, was a threat every game of the series. Uh, Riley Smith ends up with the cup clincher. Like, uh, just some, some really big moments for those guys, and, and especially when you, those two in particular uh, were cast, cast aside by the Florida Panthers in 2017. So, uh, yeah, a, lo- a lot of great stories. I-, I had a good chat with um, Mark Stone uh, earlier in the series about those, the original six, and he said basically they should all have A's on their sweater. He's like, those guys are leaders, and they're not, they're not the superstars. They're not, you know, they're not Eichel or Petrangelo or, or Stone. They're not, you know, the biggest names, but, he's, but I- exactly to your point, they set the culture, they lead. Um, you know, they- they've been through it, right? And it wasn't just going to the cup final in the first year. It was multiple conference finals. It was deep runs. It was some bitter disappointment, particularly in the bubble against San Jose. And, and that all that scar tissue, I think, built up, and it, it made them determined that they needed to, to close this out and, and not give Florida any life. And, and by the end, you know, the Panthers were so banged up. I'm sure you saw the, the laundry list of injuries and broken bones some mm-hmm. of their best players were, were dealing with. And they just didn't have the depth to compete with uh, a, a relatively healthy Vegas team. Uh, speaking of Mark Stone, what a story for him. You know, it feels like not all that long ago, Luke, we were talking about what does the future look like for Mark Stone dealing with these serious back injuries. And we know it was a target for other players during this Stanley Cup playoff to try to be as physical with Mark Stone. And here he is, the calm, cool presence of the captain to score that shorthanded goal to set that building off last night and, you know, lauded for these great goal celebrations and to be the captain of this team. You know, he's a story in and of itself and a great one for this Golden Knights team as one of those guys that they took a big swing on. They gave up some really big assets to bring this guy in, and here it is paying off in spades with a Stanley Cup victory. Yeah, I'm I'm a massive Mark Stone fan. I, I love his game because it's not it's not the prettiest game, but he's so defensively responsible. He's so good with his stick, and he just rose to the occasion. He had a point in every single game, usually two. Uh, last night he gets the hat trick, and the hat they, they had to keep delaying dropping the puck at center ice because <laughs> the hats would just keep coming and coming and coming. Like it, it was just it was just a party. Um, and you know I talked to a bunch of guys after the game, and they all everyone said 
once he's he got the hat trick, that that's when it started. That's when it sunk in that yeah. we're gonna we're winning this we're winning this thing. They could kind of relax and and breathe and grip the stick a little less tightly once once Stone put it away. And uh, I had a really good conversation with him on media day, and he was saying that. You know, he was nervous going for his second back surgery in in nine months. He's like, that's not that's not normal. Uh, there was a setback with the first one. He actually talked to Jack Eichel and got uh, a surgeon recommendation from Eichel, the one that did his back, uh, his spine surgery, and um, you know, put his his faith in him. And he said it, it was amazing. Like uh, he basically saved my career. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon wow. said that. They they were worried that Stone might be done, might be done playing hockey if the surgery didn't go well. And it's just it's really abnormal to have uh, back surgeries that close together. And for him to, you know, work his way through rehab, not only get healthy in time for the playoffs, but be impactful. And then you think about the Oilers series where they're targeting his back, right? Like yeah. everyone knows this is his weak spot, and he just didn't retaliate. He just pushed through. And Bruce Cassidy was telling me that you know. He set the tone in that, yeah, I'm getting picked on, but I'm not doing stupid stuff and, and taking penalties. I'm just going to keep my um, focus on the end goal here, which is, you know, to win the game, win the next game, win the Stanley Cup. And he said that trickled through the locker room. They People take their cues from, from a captain like Mark Stone. So I'm happy for that guy. I mean, he, he's been through it, right? Like, it's, it's just, he's such a hockey guy. Just perse- perseverance through through pain and uh, you know, uh, a, a long, long journey, some, some tough years in Ottawa, uh, that I think he really wanted to stay there, but you know, it, they didn't want to pay him quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he had a say in, in where he, he wanted to play. And he said that it was really important for him to play in a place that had a sold out building every night where the fans cared about the team. And that was a big factor in why he chose Vegas. Uh, Luke, one of your latest pieces up at Sportsnet.ca with the title "Risk, Ruthlessness, and Love: How the Golden Knights Won uh, Their First Stanley Cup." And uh, the first word to me, "risk" associate comes with one guy, and it's one guy you mentioned in that last answer, and that's Jack Eichel. I don't know that there was a bigger risk taken by this organization than the one they took with Jack Eichel. You had to pay a premium to get a player like him, but. Let's be honest, I don't think anybody, even in their best mind, knew exactly what was going to happen with Jack after that next surgery, and here he is today, maybe one of the most important part. I mean, you could, as Mark has said, never you said, there's so many guys you could kind of point to as the important guys, but clearly one of the key important guys for Vegas down this road, and it was a worthwhile risk for the organization, and again, one that's that's paid off today in spades. Yeah, no, 100%, but... It, what a gamble that was, right? Because no 100%. one in hockey, no one in hockey had undergone that type of surgery and and come back to play. Um, athletes in other p- sports ha- had done it, and Jack really wanted that specific type of surgery. He had confidence in it. But if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, there's there's two elements of risk there. One, the surgery doesn't go well, and you're you got a ten million dollar guy on your books who can't play or can't play to his full capabilities. And the other thing is you're subtracting a really beloved guy in Alex Tuck and a really a heck of a player as, as you know, he's proving in Buffalo too. So you're taking a, a really valuable, important guy, a guy that was beloved by his, his teammates out of the room in order to, to take this risk because after the Montreal series, they realized their biggest weakness was center depth. You know, yeah, they had Chandler Stevenson, 
um, and William Carlson, but it wasn't enough. They wanted more strength up the middle. They wanted a true, uh, unquestioned number one center. So they set their sights on Eichel. He was available. It came with some risk, but they pulled the trigger anyway. Uh, and just the aggressiveness and, you know, I think I, I've used the word ruthlessness as well of that front office, you know, that in order to clear cap space, you know, they bring in Patretti and they throw him away. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was like, you know, the original fan favorite of this franchise. Like he, he was the face of this franchise mm-hmm. and they cast him aside because they needed the cap space and they need, they had a vision of how to build a hockey team and they no longer needed them. And it's not kind, it's ugly. Uh, and, and they've, you know, they've, they've ticked off some people in their approach, but it's been all with the singular focus of winning a cup. And so they identified the number one center role and they went out and took a swing on Jack Eichel and he delivered like uh, he was, you know, I got to talk to him on the ice too. And, and he was saying, you know, there was doubt. He, his first year as a night, they missed the playoffs. He's starting to think like, Am I ever going to even make the playoffs? Yeah. So he finally makes the playoffs, and then they go all the way, and he's the leading scorer, and he could have just as easily won the Conn Smythe as Marchessault. Like, he was just yeah. phenomenal. Uh, Luke Fox is uh, with us here. He's in Las Vegas. He's covering the Stanley Cup final for Sportsnet. And a couple guys I want to touch on with you, Luke, while I have you, and one of them's got to be the coach and Bruce Cassidy. And what a roller coaster of a year it's been from him going from you know, a guy in Boston who was, you know, part of a lot of really good teams there goes to Vegas in this first opportunity. Even as good as Vegas was this year, there's got to be a part of him looking back at Boston and going, wow, we had some really good years there. Now I'm gone. And you guys have busted through with this unbelievable season. They've won the president's trophy, one of the best regular seasons in hockey. But here he is in Vegas now with this new core and this new group. And he leads them to the Stanley Cup uh, victory that they've so badly wanted. I can only imagine what the last 365 days have been like for Bruce Cassidy since that firing, watching everything that's gone through this year and now today to finally be a, a Stanley Cup champion at age 57. Yeah, and you know, he's like a hockey lifer, right? And, and a really smart guy, like a really smart coach. I have a, a lot of respect for him. And uh, I get the sense that, you know, uh, he got everyone to buy in, and that's that's hard to do. Um, credit Paul Maurice for that too. Right? Both both for guys who first year with a new team um, and get them to buy into a system. And he said that he he learned from from 2019 when he brought brought the Bruins all the way to a game seven and lost it. And he said, you know, you kind of get caught up in in oh my goodness, you're in the Stanley Cup final and all the distractions and. Uh, you know, your, your family wants stuff from you. And it, and he's like, this time, I it helped having gone through it once because I could just really dial in on the hockey and the game plan and get everyone to focus. And I think, you know, he credits the room as well, having so many former captains. And uh, I think they had nine rings in the room uh, before the puck drop last night already. So having an experienced room, he said, really helped them. Uh, but they, they played an entirely different system. So in the summer, after he got the job, he called up his centerman and said, I need you to get in crazy shape because the way I'm going to have you play is you're going to be doing a lot of skating in the D zone because I don't want my defensemen puck chasing. They play this, this four-man zone with the D in, the, in, the, in their own end, and they're all you know six foot one or, or taller, all 200 pounds or more, just giant defensemen. But he wants them close to the net to block a million shots, uh, to clear the net front, not give up second chances. But that puts more emphasis 
on the centers like like Carlson and Eichel uh, to do extra skating and and puck chasing in their own zone. And you know, a lot of guys would be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, but they all bought in, and and you're seeing the results. And that was him implementing a, a brand new system. So credit to Bruce. And uh, one of those uh, brings in the room uh, ahead of last night was Phil Kessel, who's got two of his own and was uh, a great storyline coming out of last night. I know you had that great picture with him and his wife and his daughter. And, you know, what a storyline he was in all of this. The NHL's Iron Man who lost his spot during this playoff, but was still happy to be there for the ride and happy to share this with his daughter and a guy that talks so much, Luke, about the resilience and how he still has that chip on his shoulder. A guy with two cups already still remembers back in the day when people thought he wasn't going to win anything in the NHL. And now he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion and excited to go back and try for a fourth. Yeah, he, he's a beauty, right? And uh, so, Phil, it's, the irony is, is so rich because he does, doesn't miss a single game, plays all 82, and uh, gets, you know, gets the Ironman streak uh, record this year and wants to keep playing. And, you know, Cassie has to tell him, now that we're healthy, you're coming out. And yeah. you have to wonder if they had gotten healthy earlier in the regular season, if the streak would be broken. Uh, playoff games, of course, don't count. But he only played the first four games in the Winnipeg series. Uh, Will Carrier got healthy, and there wasn't a spot for Phil. There wasn't a role. And he was ticked. He was ticked. I talked to some people, like, naturally, he, he wants to be in there. But Mark Stone was telling me, like, he didn't pout. He just showed up, skated with the, the black aces, was cracking jokes in the room, uh, was, was there for people wanted to talk about what, what it took for him to win with Pittsburgh. And uh, he was just positivity, kept things light. Uh, he's a character. Uh, Mar- Jonathan Marchessault had a great line. He said, in order to win, you need character, but you also need characters. <laughs> and he's like, and Phil is one of, one of the best one of those. And so it was, it was kind of cool because he's, he's a scratch, so they don't really like to talk during the series. Yeah. But uh, I, found, I found him on the ice, and he was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk. And, <laughs> and, and eventually he, he, he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you a few questions. And he, he was surprisingly chatty. Uh, you know, he took a little friendly shot at, at Toronto. Um, he called himself a three-timer now, and, and, and he was just saying how, how this one is special because uh, he, this one, he could put his daughter in the cup. She wasn't, she wasn't born. She's not even two yet. She wasn't born during those, those Pittsburgh days. And, and, yeah, he was just really nice. And I was like, can I get a photo? So he gathered his family together and posed for that photo. So, yeah, just a, just a cool moment for Phil. It's, you know, a little bit different when you don't, haven't played in three rounds. But he said it's still special, especially with uh, being a dad now. Uh, Luke, thanks so much for doing this, man. I know it's it's super busy getting everything out and uh, pushing it out when you've got to find all the right about for uh, the .ca side of things. But thanks for doing this. Great coverage from Vegas, man. Really appreciate you jumping on with us today. Anytime. Thank, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Safe travels, Luke. Thanks. Thanks. Luke Fox joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's got two pieces up at Sportsnet.ca following last night's victory for the Stanley Cup, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, one on that great story about Phil Kessel, now a three-time Stanley Cup champion, and uh, risk, ruthlessness, and love, how the Golden Knights won their first Stanley Cup. Great stuff from Luke, who was on the ground in Vegas for the largest crowd in Golden Knights history, and what a celebration, what a party it was last night, and a very deserving champion 
in the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to continue the Stanley Cup final talk around the corner. We're going to hear from both coaches, Paul Maurice and Bruce Cassidy, following the win last night. Paul Maurice, uh, a ton of class in the loss last night, but a ton of great detail on just how beat up the Florida Panthers were in this series. We'll also take a quick look at what's next for both of these teams as the NHL offseason's here now. These are the last two teams uh, to finish things off. Draft order is set. We're a couple weeks away from the NHL draft. What do these teams have to do to get ready for that offseason? We'll dive into that next as Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, so the Stanley Cup Finals are in the books. Now turn our attention to what should be a very interesting offseason across the NHL. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Golden Knights just dominate Game 5. 9-3 your final score. 4-1 the final in the series. Sergei Bobrovsky not able to reach superhuman heights against the Golden Knights. Aiden Hill comes in. Third or fourth gold dinner for the Vegas Golden Knights. Leads them to a Stanley Cup victory. And look, for Florida, this was always going to be a tough matchup. It was a tough matchup at the beginning of the series when they were mostly healthy. Add in the injuries that we found out about post-game last night. And you realized it was always likely to be an uphill battle for this team. Anytime you walk into Game 5 without your best player, the most important player on your team in Matthew Kachuk because of a fractured sternum, you knew it wasn't going to be easy to walk out of Vegas with a Game 5 victory. And that's uh, exactly what happened, unfortunately, for the Florida Panthers. And uh, now the tough reset for Florida. Paul Maurice and his team will head into an offseason uh, looking to improve a couple of areas, but still have a couple days to let this sit in and sting for a couple more. Uh, Paul Maurice talking post-game uh, about what went wrong for them in this series, but also outlining all the injuries that happened to his team uh, as the playoffs went on. Here's Paul Maurice, uh, his post-game press conference last night following their defeat uh, in the Stanley Cup final to the Vegas Golden Knights. From the Panthers, we have head coach Paul Maurice to take your questions. Well, first, uh, appropriate congratulations to Vegas. They were, they earned it. They earned it. They were outstanding, and uh, we didn't have an answer for them. So, to Bruce Cassidy and Mark Stone and the, the whole group, well done. We'll now take questions. Front left. Uh, James Snell, FloridaPanthers.com. Coach, we've heard you talk so many times about this whole run about guys getting to keep certain things, games, moments, things like that. Looking at the whole group, obviously, this feels much more like the beginning for a lot of these guys. What do you hope they keep from these last two months or so? Hmm. What it can be like. And, and I don't mean in terms of winning the Stanley Cup, but what a room can be like. What a work environment can be like when you find that special, special group of guys. I, I, to describe the relationship, I would say they just love each other. 
like truly care about each other and connect with each other and Lord knows play through things with each other. Um, remember the feeling. It's, it's not the moments necessarily on the ice, the goals. As a matter of fact, I don't think that's what it is at all with these guys. It was, they just care about each other. They just loved each other, treat each other like so well, so respectfully well, have fun with it, work their butts off every day. But it was truly a special year. I, I don't think that I can describe it to you very well. You have to, and I'm more of an observer to all of it than a participant in it, to sit back and watch them. It's been, it's been spectacular. It's, it's, I don't know what the right words are for it, but kind of all the good things in this game actually aren't the game, right? Like the hockey's great. We love the sport, but the best it can be is in a room like that. It was a brilliant year. Front left. Ryan Clark, ESPN. Paul, definitely it's emotional moment at the moment. But when it came to you, the decision about Matthew, what was sort of the process about deciding to keep him out? And also, what was it? Because it's reportedly a, a sternum issue that was the problem. So what was sort of the thought process with all of it? Yeah, he fractured it. That was a bit of a problem. <laughs> and he came back and scored the goal. You know, um, he's I'm not, I'm one of four guys with broken bones. So to play him in the next night, and again, he had scored the goal after, after I'm not sure, it's his collarbone, sternum, clavicle, SI joint is, I think, the words that I heard. But um, he'll heal fine from it. Um, he got into the next game, and because he is so smart, he can find a way around the ice. He can find it. I think he had three of our best chances to score in that game. But he couldn't do the things that he can do to finish. But the the next day after the full game that he played off it, he was I mean he he didn't dress himself for the game. Somebody helped him get his gear on, somebody tied his skates, somebody put his sweater on for him. Uh, but the next day when he came in he was in significant pain, so there wasn't really a question on whether he'd be able to play or not. The idea would be if we could let it calm, we might be able to get him to game seven. Right side, front row. Uh, Paul, just, um, you know, it, it just felt like not only Matthew, but you had a lot of guys banged up, and I know you don't want to make excuses. I'm sure Vegas was banged up too, but, but depth-wise, just how, how tough did it become for you guys to sort of absorb that? Well, we're, we're swinging out of our, our weight class in the playoffs, right, we, we hit four teams at 110 points plus, one at 135. But, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll share one with you. Aaron Eckblad broke his foot in the Boston series. He popped his shoulder out twice, passed a concussion cane, test, tore his oblique, then went up the ice the other night and drove the puck into the offense. There's only we tied the game and he scored tonight. So, I don't know. We have four broken bones. We've got three shoulders that are going to have to get taken care of. We've got oblique tears. It's not an excuse. So don't even, we, we don't need one. These guys earned the right. They gave everything they had. You know. Right side. We're in, the, we're in the Toronto series and at game three, okay, the idea was they had shut down the Bennett to check line. Well, <laughs> Sam had hurt himself so bad. Walk into the 
He was on a second injury at that point and walked into the room after game four that we lost. He could barely take his shoulder pads off, right? And I'm, I'm standing in the room going, should I help him? Like, how would he feel about that if I walked over? And But he rebounded and continued to play. I mean, that part of it is you know, Radko Gudish is a high ankle sprain. That's a six-week. He took a period off, right? So there was... Everybody's got injuries. I've never seen guys play with what these guys play with and the sheer number of them. Um, you need luck, for sure. We didn't need necessarily puck luck. I think I think if you get to the final, both teams have had their fair shares of bounces. But we ran out of the health luck, and we needed to. If we're going to swing above 110-point teams, do you need your bodies? Take a few more on the right side, second row. You, you've been around the NHL a long time, obviously. Do you search? You've had some great teams, great years. Do you search for a season or a, a room like this? Oh, I have to be very respectful. Um, you know, I, I mean, what's the truth? In the first 17 or 18 years in the league, we were considerably underdog teams you know making the playoffs was us punching over our weight class but I've never ever in my life had a year like this like these guys like you know they say well the coach made it fun I didn't make it fun at all for these guys they made it fun for me and for our staff truly beat the hell out of them in training camp did it again in January when things weren't going well and they just wouldn't break. They wouldn't break, and and I don't think they ever did. Like uh, I get it. I don't really want to talk about the details of the game, but with everything, they still come out and play as hard as they can in the third. Right? They're just an honest bunch of fun guys. It was profession affirming. Over, you, you, there is cynicism that creeps into you over time, right? And then you walk into a room like this, and then you love hockey players again. They're just the greatest bunch of guys. And I, you know what? Uh, you know, like Bill, Bill Zito, I mean, he made the playoffs, won a President's Trophy, and then won, won the Eastern Conference in his first three years. He built all of it, right? All of the people that are here, his, his decision. So he deserves some credit. It, it was a whole hell of a... I mean, this is as... as, as Maybe top four or five bad days of your life, he loses in the Stanley Cup for sure. But even now, standing here, like I love those guys. They they, they gave me a great year of, of my life. Right at 56, you're going on. I don't have 40 left. I don't think based on based on the way I look right now. Um, it was a wonderful gift from those players, those men, to, to the coaching staff. We really, truly enjoyed our, our lives this year. It was nice. Take two more questions, left side, second row. Tommy Liddy, NHL.com. Ekblad talked about it. Reinhardt talked about it. What they learned during this was more than they had learned in the years. What's the value of the lessons, I guess, that they going forward? With you never, ever have to explain the heart again. Right? You never have to. convince them of something, how hard this is, how hard you have to play, or that you're you're not out of it, down 3-1 to Boston. You're, you're never out of a game, you're never out of it, but, but it's incredibly hard. So we've well, got a short summer. When they train, they'll understand, right? When they get pushed in training camp next year, they'll understand. 
for a player like Anton Lundell, some things, well, I'll give you a line kind of person. My mom always said, you'll never know how much you can love somebody until you have a kid. I thought, yeah, mom, what are you talking about? Right? There are things you can't know until you experience it. And, and how hard the playoffs is and how, how hard it is to get to where we got to. You can't know it until you experience it. Last question, front left. Uh, David Wilson, Miami Herald. I guess kind of following up on that, I think 15 of the 20 guys who dressed for you are, are guys under contract. And obviously the team could change with trades or whatever, yep. but you've talked so much about how much you like this group. And is there just, obviously not yet, but like I'm sure in the next couple of days, the enthusiasm to get back at it and get yeah. another shot at this will, will come pretty quickly, I would guess. Hmm. We're going to have a hell of a time making the playoffs next year. <laughs> That's a fact because it's hard because good teams miss. And if you come in feeling better about yourself because you got to play two months longer, you're in trouble. So as soon as you learn to love the hard, we're going to have some players in that locker room that are beyond our roster, but they will not be in our opening night lineup. And we're probably talking two or three months. I, I got some guys that are going to take four to six months to heal. They are going to have surgery. So we are going to look different at the start. Think of what Colorado went through this year. With that, we're going to have some of that going on. So I won't. I'm not giving them that speech tonight. Paul Maurice, obviously a somber mood for the Florida Panthers head coach following the loss last night, and expectation for next year already a little bit bleak for Paul, knowing how much uh, injuries just went uh, through his team and will clearly be affecting them throughout the summer. An interesting look at Florida quickly before we hear from Bruce Cassidy. And I don't know how much of this year is replicatable if you're the Florida Panthers. You barely made the playoffs this year. Bobrovsky went on a great run. Can that happen again next year? Hard to say. They don't have a ton of work to do when it comes to UFAs and RFAs, but you'll want to try to improve your roster. Colin White and Giovanni Smith are RFAs with Arbrights. Eric Stahl is a UFA on the forward group. Carlson, Fitzgerald, Gudis, and Mark Stahl, all UFAs on the back end. And then uh, Evan Fitzpatrick, Alex Lyon, both UFAs behind Sergei Bobrovsky uh, as they await what happens with Spencer Knight in the NHL's player assistance program. Uh, they go in with about $10 million of cap space into the offseason, Sam Reinhardt due for a deal in a year's time. Same with Anthony Duclair. Uh, Anton Lindell will be an RFA in a year's time. The decor will need some adjustment, no doubt. And how they can pull it off, we'll have to wait and see what Bill Zito has up his sleeve for the Panthers after a massive offseason last year. No first-round pick for the Florida Panthers. They will select in round two uh, of the NHL draft with their first selection. Now on the other side, Bruce Cassidy. Uh, a crazy year for him after being dismissed from the Boston Bruins. Goes to the Vegas Golden Knights. Sees Boston have this crazy year, breaking all these records. President's Trophy winners. But he's the one that comes out on top with a Stanley Cup victory uh, at the end. Bruce Cassidy spoke to the media last night following a victory for his Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, Obviously, Foley made his wish back when this all started. Um, hoping to win this in, in six years and now to be a part of that and lead this group to that 
fruition? Just how special is that? Well, just before I get to that, I do want to congratulate the Florida Panthers on a terrific season. Great playoff run. Um, did a lot of things well and um, bright future there, you know. But at the end of the day uh, with Bill, he's ever done everything right here, I think. I think the players would tell you that. I'm only here one year, right? So and he's treated me. I'm, I'm just really grateful to be given this opportunity and with him and Kelly and George. But, you know, I'm out in Henderson a lot with my kids. I'm at CNA, and the, the, the game is growing here, and it needs someone to bring it here. And then you need to you have idols like the Marsha Sows and you know, the Smiths and the Carlsons, et cetera. So uh, very happy for Bill. Um, what I didn't know right away when I got hired, he says he was going to win the Stanley Cup in year six, and I found out it was year six after I signed. So I said, all right, there's a little bit of pressure here, but here we are. Uh, so, um, but like I said, I'm happy for Bill. He's a terrific owner. You know, he's, he's no pressure, and he comes in and, you know, just lets you do your job, and it's just wants what's best for the team. Thank you. Front right, Greg. Uh, Bruce, or, uh, George McHugh was talking about your relationship with Jack Eichel and, and how that relationship. Sorry. And how that relationship with Jack really blossomed and, and helped push Jack to the heights that he reached in these playoffs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I knew a Jack a little bit from Boston. He skated with the, the Bruins in the summer. Um, his strength coach, or skating coach, is Kim Brandvolt, who's a good friend of mine, was our skating coach in Boston. We ended up hiring, I thought Kim is a terrific guy, and it told me a lot about Jack. So, But you've got to get into that player-coach relationship before, you know what I mean, to, to really sort things out. So we met right away as soon as I got hired. I thought it'd be good sit down and talk. Here's what I, uh, my expectations are of our center icemen, particularly guys high in the lineup, and what do you, what do you need from me? And let's kind of meet halfway. I, I just felt we were tied together in terms of coming here relatively at the same time. I know he was here a little before me, but he was injured, right? So this was a fresh start for both of us. So that's the way I looked at it. Let's see if we can do this together. J Jack has been super from day one. There's been no pushback in terms of what the ask was. And there's always back and forth dialogue, you know, about different situations, line mates along the way, maybe power play, ice time, whatever. But he's 100% on board. All he wants to do is win. All he wanted to do is win. And I couldn't be happier for him. And, you know, his parents should be real proud of him. He did a terrific job for him. And I know it was a little tough for him previously, his previous spot, so I couldn't be happier for him. He's a terrific guy. Ask his, just ask his teammates, you know, what they think of him, and that'll tell you right there. Back right. Uh, Bruce, uh, first off, congratulations. Thanks, Dan. Um, you tonight, I believe, had seven different goal scorers, and 15 guys had at least one point. Does it, and you're not going to score nine every game, but does that kind of define what this team is all about? I think so. I think it does, and it's different guys. Tonight, Stoney happens to get the hat trick, you know. First goal is huge for us. I mean, we didn't start great. I think you see a little bit of nerves, and Florida was on us, and got a great save from Hill, and he comes to get a shorthanded goal. So kind of let us breathe a little bit. Um, but after that, next man up, whoever's turn it is, and we, we've had that all year. Like, Alex Martinez, Alec Martinez only scores in Stanley Cup Finals, apparently. So, and 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 what a timely goal that is. So now you got defensemen pitching in that you know are more stay-at-home, defensive-minded guys. Nick Hag, you know. So that's been our story this year. It's been a, I'll say next man up because that's such a cliche, but it has been about the team. It's been about the team, no matter who's in the lineup. Um, and it, you know, right to the bitter end tonight. I think, 
You know, Marshy got the con Smythe. It could have been a lot of different guys. Not one guy carried this team. I thought everybody did their part, and I'm happy for Marshy. Certainly deserved it. Could have been a lot of different guys, and that's the story of our year. Left side, second row. Danny Webster, Las Vegas son of Bruce. Congratulations, first of all. Thanks, Danny. Um, obviously, I don't. I think it goes without explaining why you decided to start the five that you did tonight to start the game, but just, I guess, when did you decide on that and kind of what was the reaction in the room when you made that <laughs> my, call? My, my dog's getting dragged into this again, but I was walking my dog earlier today as we spoke about, you know, thinking of different things, and, and I thought, you know, it would be, I think, a good way to get the guys' attention and reward the guys that were the original, you know, laid the foundation for this hockey team. I, I, told, I apologize to Will Carrier, can only start one left winger, so, uh, and I thought it'd be nice and see if it, you know, give us a little juice. And whether it did or not, I don't know, but they deserved it. And I think the guys respect that. They gave them the, the you know, they got past the cup first, um, and rightfully so. And I think they're going to enjoy it. We're all going to enjoy it, but for them it means a little more, right? They were, they were in the final their first year, and they get a chance to go back. And as I said, guys that kind of laid the roots down here and have done a great job in the community, building Golden Knights, you know, brand and, and hockey in the area. So happy for them. On the left side, third row. Sergey Feldman, NHL.com International. Congratulations. Thank man. you. Uh, you see the, the players on the ice afterward with the families, friends, et cetera. It, it's clear that it takes a village to win. Uh, it also includes some of the guys like the Black Aces of, of Patera, who's making an impact to the extent yeah. that he can. How special is it for those guys and, and the contributions that they make? Well, listen, they feel good about themselves. Um, I, in 2011 with the Bruins, I had all those extra guys. So I know it was like you're on the ice and you feel great and you're part of it, but you're not in the trenches, but you are a part of the team. Every guy that wore a, a Golden Knight sweater this year helped us get here, including, you know, you, you, you mentioned Pateri. He won two hockey games for us, you know, so if he doesn't, do we finish first? You know, do we get home? You know, there's a lot that goes into it, little details along the way. Pav scored a lot of big goals for us. Paul Cotter, I think, had 13 goals. He played a lot for us. Phil, there's a lot of different guys that go into it. Huddy and uh, Pahal played in uh, the Winnipeg series. So we're thankful we didn't have to use a lot of our guys because of injury, but they were right there, and they, they prepare hard. They give up a lot of their time. They're still here, you know. So um, it's a bit of a thankless job while you're going through it, if you're not playing, but now it's all worth it, right? You're a champion and, and your name's in the cup, so good for those guys. <clears throat> Take a couple more questions, right side. <laughs> hey, Bruce, Derek Randiste, NHL.com. Um, just going back to Jonathan Rush, so I know early on in the, in the playoffs, I know when, when he was at Edmonton, he was frustrated because he, he wasn't finding the net, and I just want to ask you about him sticking to that and eventually the goals coming and, and doing what he did in, in basically the second half. Inside presence, I think it was game three up there. He scored two goals. Jack got him on the top of the crease on a tip, and I think there's another one very similar. So against Winnipeg, he, he wasn't getting to those areas. He was relying on his shot, and he slowly got there. And he got rewarded. He got rewarded, and then all of a sudden it snowballed. I think the clinching game, he got, he got a hat trick, but one was at the top of the crease. I know one was on the elbow, but, you know, he started working inside a lot more. And... Um, between him and Barbashev going to the net with a guy like Jack that can draw people to him, turned out to be a really effective line because of that. So good for him. He figured it out. Uh, didn't get, it didn't affect the rest of his game and uh, gets on a roll. And I think there's stories every year when you, you know, when you win the, the cup of guys that get hot. You know, we, we were, listen, I'm going back in time here, but I was talking to Krim about it. It reminded me of Reggie Leach back in the day for the Flyers and just a guy that was just hot and uh, really helped us. <clears throat> One more question, right side. 
Coach, congratulations. Eddie Rifkin, Hockey Nights in Vegas. I don't know if you know that tomorrow is actually one year exactly since you signed your contract to come here to Vegas. I wonder if I'm you going could, to celebrate. Uh, I wonder if you could just reflect, uh, re reflect a little bit about your year. Well, listen, at first there's, you know, you're leaving a spot. You've been, it's been home to you for a long time, right? So it's tough on your family. Um, built a lot of solid relationships there. You know, people I still keep in touch with, but new adventure. We, we looked at it and get, once everyone settled in, I thought it was terrific. Uh, you know, it turns out it's, you know, it could be the best thing that ever happened to me in my career. I mean, we win the Stanley Cup, right? Great group of guys, new, new challenges, come in fresh with players I didn't know at all. So it was a, you know, you have to start relationship building, and I think that's important in this job. So family gets settled in. They love it here. Nothing but great things to say about Summerlin uh, and then the hockey team. So um, nobody lasts in one spot forever. So like I said, once we got settled in, it's been terrific. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. Like I said, I think everyone plays the game to get their name in the cup, and we were able to do it, and I was able to do it my first year. And like I said, I'm very thankful and grateful that, you know, I ended up here and that, you know, Bill Foley uh, and George found it that, you know, I could be a guy to lead the team. Bruce Cassidy, Stanley Cup champion, coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, his, pre his press conference last night following the victory, 9-3 over the Florida Panthers, putting a bow on the NHL season. And now the uh, offseason begins for all 32 teams and focus shifts to the NHL draft in Nashville in just a few weeks' time. That wraps up Hour 1 of the program. We'll come back on the other side, switch it up, talk a little bit of CFL football. Uh, Stampeders, Red Blacks set for Thursday in Ottawa. We're going to talk about a major injury for the Calgary Stampeders going forward. We've got a Stamps report coming up next to kick off Hour 2 right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.